Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. This is your host, Colin Zhu, and we're on air, the new live series with uh, COVID-19, Staying Well Amongst COVID series. Um, I have today a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is Dr. Vanessa Calderon. Um, Say hi to everyone, Vanessa. Hi, everyone. So happy to be here with you, Colin. (laughs) <laughs> I'm super excited for you to be here as well. Um, just a little bit about the series. Um, so like I said, I'm the regular host of Thrive Bites, and um, it is a wellness series. It's an interview show, and we focus on plant-based living, enhancing emotional wellness, and creating a thriving mindset. And we are in a very interesting time um, in our lives right now um, for this pandemic. And so I decided to create this wellness series and pretty much ask wellness experts to come on and be able to share their perspectives and be able to help out um, the general public and also healthcare um, providers and workers as well. So with that in mind, um, thank you again. I'm going to uh, welcome you (laughs) and uh, tell everyone where you're calling from and a little bit about what you do. Sure, absolutely. So again, I'm Vanessa Calderon. I'm calling from the California Bay Area in Northern California, specifically right outside of San Francisco. So I am a mother of two beautiful little kiddos. My daughter's five and my son just turned three. We got to have a little COVID party for him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also an emergency medicine physician in San Francisco, where I also serve as a department chair and medical director. And you and I got connected uh, because of my resiliency work. So I'm the resiliency director for Vituity, which is a large staffing um, uh, multidisciplinary organization across the country. And I'm also a certified compassion fatigue educator and therapist. So I've been doing resiliency work now for a few years. And sort of my story that brought me to resiliency um, had to do with a lot of sort of personal pain and trauma Uh, in my own life. Um, About four years ago or so now, my husband and I were trying to get pregnant with our second kid. And at that time, I can now just fully admit that I was a total type A control freak. And I was trying to align the pregnancy and the birth of my kid with my work schedule and deadlines, which it sounds so crazy now saying out loud, Mm -hmm. because as you know, all you parents out there listening, you know that There's very few things you can control when it comes to pregnancy and the birth of your child. Um, But alas, you know, I had to learn that the hard way. And so Mm -hmm. it goes. And, you know, we'd gotten pregnant pretty quickly with our first kid. So I figured we weren't going to struggle at all with the second. But um, that wasn't the case. In fact, uh, we had three miscarriages as we were trying to get pregnant. 
And the last one was probably the absolute worst because we were pretty far along in that pregnancy and I actually thought it was going to stick. So it was both just emotionally and physically painful because, you know, when you're that far along in a pregnancy, the miscarriage and the stomach cramping is just really miserable. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I started miscarrying, I actually had a scheduled ER shift that day. And, you know, I took some ibuprofen and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to work. And so I go to work and one of the nurses, who's also a very, very dear friend of mine, noticed that I wasn't sort of my normal upbeat self. And she jokingly said to me, what's up with you? You're so grumpy today. And let me tell you, Colin, it took everything in me that day to just not break down and start crying in front of Mm -hmm. everybody. So um, anyway, fast forward a few months and we were super fortunate, eventually ended up getting pregnant on our own. And again, not on my timeline at all, but that's how it goes. And, um, you know, a few weeks after that, our son was born. um, And soon after my son was born, I find out that my mom, who had been in remission from breast cancer for about 10 years, her cancer was back and it was now in stage four with metastases Mm. to her bones. So around that time, as I'm on maternity leave, I also get a frantic call from the wife of one of the physicians at my site. She let me know that he's critically ill, he's in the ICU, and that I had to take him off the schedule. So he was our full-time night doc and was working anywhere from like 17 to 18 shifts a month. Mm. So it was a huge staff. A a lot of shifts. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so I cut my maternity leave short and I went back to work so I could help with staffing. And, you know, of course, when it rains, it pours. So I was back to work for like less than a month. And I learned that our hospital was not planning to automatically renew our contract for the emergency department. So now, you know, I'm learning how to be a mom of two young kids, a newborn and a three-year-old. I'm trying to breastfeed and pump while working a heavy load of clinical shifts. I'm supporting my mom with all her cancer treatment. And now I also get to manage my department's contract instability. Oh, Colin, suffice it to say, things were stressful. Yeah. And it didn't take me very long to start actually manifesting physical symptoms of severe stress. I had a terrible, terrible time sleeping. I developed horrible neck pain, shoulder pain, and jaw pain. And I initially approached this by just sort of telling myself that everything would be fine, and I ignored all the symptoms. I just totally wasn't connected. And I ignored it until my jaw pain got so bad, I started having really bad trouble chewing. And so I assumed that I must have had a cavity. There must be something physically there causing me to have such severe pain. So I went to a dentist who did x-rays and told me everything was fine. I was like, there is no way everything is fine. Something is definitely wrong. And he asked me if I grinded my teeth. And, you know, up until that point, I've never had that problem. So then he says, you know, when people are stressed, they tend to grind their teeth at night. Is there any chance you could be experiencing stress? (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was shocked. I couldn't believe that. Like, yeah, I just couldn't believe that my mind and body were so disconnected from what I was experiencing. Yeah. And that crisis was my turning point. You know, that was my aha moment. It created an incredible opportunity for me to just reevaluate all my priorities and my choices in life. At that time, I started to invest in resilience, personal resiliency courses for myself, some personal development workshops. I read a ton of books and articles on these topics. And through all of this work, I realized that all the choices I had been making didn't truly reflect my values. You know, I'd always said my family came first, and mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not the way I was making my choices. So I, I just chose at that moment to stop being a victim of my circumstances, and I shifted. You know, I began to set really healthy work boundaries that allowed me to remain an effective leader without burning out. 
I was super intentional about setting aside time for my mental, physical, and spiritual health. And I was really disciplined about leaving work at work so that when I was home with my husband and my kids, I was just fully present with them. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can tell you that after practicing all these things and making all these choices, and I, I'm now living a really wholehearted and happy life. I have a career I love, a strong marriage, I'm connected with my kids, and I'm still able to be present and supportive for my mom. So, you know, this personal resiliency work transformed my life, and I'm just on a mission now. I'm on a mission to pass these tools on to everyone because, as you probably experienced, you know, resiliency and happiness has this incredible ripple effect. And when you're happier, your patients are happier, your spouse and children are happier, your friends are happier, and ultimately, you're just a source for improvement and happiness, and you make the world a better place. And that's sort of what brought me here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, number one, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it's a incredible story from, you know, your own personal uh, journey, your family's journey. And, you know, I think it's important to highlight how, um, especially during these times where the healthcare system is being uh, taking the limelight of everything, you know, whether it's, you know, for better or worse. Um, I think in these times um, for the pandemic, it's both, you know, um, it shows and reflects how tireless, selfless and hardworking and dedicated um, our healthcare providers and workers are. Um, and it also shows the worst in terms of how broken our system can be, right? Um, obviously, the system is made up of many, many different gears and components. Um, but nonetheless, we still have a lot of people that are, you know, fighting the good fight, you know, so to speak. Um, so, you know, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I, I you know, definitely want to address that. Um, it is very important to talk about resiliency. And you made a really good point in terms of taking care of yourself. And throughout this entire series, we've talked about self-care. We've talked about um, you know, how to take care of our families? How do we take care of, you know, each other? How do we enhance our connections? Um, and so resiliency to me is kind of like a practice, you know, you read about it and it's not just about reading about it. It's, it's about putting that into practice. So I do would like for you to kind of go into a little bit about, you know, what does it mean to be resilient and how do we use the tools that come out of that to be able to take care of ourselves, whether, you know, we are, you know, family members or if we are, you know, in this current uh, timeline um, of the pandemic, you know, on the front line? And how do we use that to, you know, continue, uh, you know, putting that into place? Yes, absolutely. Those are some really great points. And one thing you said earlier was the fact that the system is sort of broken. And I just kind of want to highlight that because for physicians that are listening, I think a lot of people sort of close up when you hear about personal resiliency, because Folks are sort of concerned that we're then negating the systemic issues that exist. And now we're saying, you know, now we also have to become personally resilient in a system that's failing. And so I just want to highlight, you know, when we talk about resilience and sort of improving the healthcare system as a whole, there are multiple different facets to this. And one is definitely systemic changes. And another one, you know, is your culture, wherever you work, your culture of well-being. And then the third, obviously, is personal resilience. And so I specifically talk about personal resilience because these are the one thing that we have 100% control over as, mm-hmm. you know, a, a physician, as a human, you have control over your own personal resilience and the choices you make and how you respond to those things. 
And so that's why I talk about this, not because those other three things aren't important, but because this is the one thing we have full control over. So you mentioned, you know, what does all this mean? And so I'll say, you know, my mission as a physician is all has always been, you know, to have a long and fulfilled career where I can treat every patient that I meet with compassion, dignity, and respect. And the resiliency tools that I practice and that I teach include tools like mindfulness, gratitude, self-regulation, perceptual maturation, you know, among other tools. But those tools just give us all the right things that we need so that we can continue to practice those types of things in a stressful environment. So, for example, you know, I can be present, intentional, and mindful um, regardless of what I've just experienced. So, you know, a few months ago, I was taking care of a patient and I had to tell um, the patient's family that their patient just had a stroke and it was such a severe stroke that they were likely not going to live. And it was, you know, that's never easy, regardless of how many times you do it. It's never easy to sit with the family to do that. But because of the tools that I've practiced, I was able to sit there calmly, quietly, give that patient and their family the respect, you know, and the compassion that that moment deserved. And, you know, hold people's hand, bring everybody into the room, have that conversation with everybody and sit there and feel with them, you know, be empathic. And then I was able to walk out of that room, take a deep breath and prepare myself for what was next so that I could be both mentally and emotionally ready for the next emergency I got to take care of. And all of that comes from practicing resiliency tools every day. And you're right, you know, I I teach these courses and you're not going to learn everything in a course. Fantastic. You have the tools. Now you get to practice them so that you can easily adapt them to those stressful moments. So, um, yeah, I guess for what, what I would say is it's not just about learning. It's about learning and practicing so that when, you know, the rubber hits the road and you're in those moments, you have those tools in your tool belt that you can easily access. Yeah. Um, and it's important to highlight um, that even in the face of the virus and to me, it's and we've talked about this, um, you know, previous with uh, previous uh, guests where it's different because one, it's affecting us globally. And two is that, you know, for us, for us that haven't really brought up our own stuff, quote unquote, you know, whether it's unprocessed trauma, whether it's, you know, different relational uh, marital issues, whatever the case may be, um, it brings up old stuff. And for other people who have already previously diagnosed anxiety, depression, and other mental issues, it enhances it, right? So, you know, we're living in a time where, you know, it's different because it's, again, it's, you know, in the history of humans, it's hitting something globally, whether it is prior to which a flu, other types of flu um, pandemics, or even something similar as wartime, where, you know, baby boomer generations have more experience with this. But different than war is that this is invisible. You know, you can't see, you know, you can't really see the actual, um, you know, you can't see the the virus. You know, it's something that, you know, it exists on a very, very uh, microscopic level. And so it is different because it, it, people didn't accept it. You know, they denied it. They, um, you know, poo pooed it. They just <laughs> took it out of their psyche and that's probably what it contributed to it. But, you know, it's important to accept where we are now and to kind of move forward. I think one of the highlights, um, again, is um, bringing it back to our front line and, you know, being able to showcase to the public now more from media is that, you know, we are battling something very, very challenging 
Um, currently, right now, we don't have a good, clear treatment vaccine. Um, you know, we do have tests, but tests aren't 100% accurate. Um, in terms of, you know, healthcare providers, you know, what are things that, you know, because of their schedule, what are small tools or tips or practices that maybe they didn't have a mindfulness practice or a resiliency course that, you know, you probably, you know, have taught in the past, didn't have that in the beginning with, what are some things we can start off, you know, with? Yes, that's a really, really, really good question because we want to give physicians the tools to be able to leave and still be able to function outside of the hospital. You still have family, you still have other, you know, and I just also want to be clear that even though I've been teaching this and practicing this, I myself, I'm not by any means perfect. I'm human and I still feel anger and fear and sadness and stress specifically around all these things, you know, frustration about you know, the lack of preparedness that we had, um, anger and fear about the lack of testing, you know, afraid mm -hmm. that I was going to bring this stuff home to my family. And again, you know, I'm okay feeling those things because I'm human and humans have feelings and feelings, you know, don't define who you are. Um, they're just feelings. And the last thing um, I'd want anyone to ever do, especially physicians or anyone else feeling these types of things is resist that that's coming up for you, you know, because those are your emotions and what you resist will persist, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, I've been practicing these tools for so long now that I can now catch myself when I'm in a negative emotion, when I'm feeling fear or afraid, you know, I can catch myself and usually process and connect where that's sort of coming from. And I also know that my work doesn't define me and who I am. And when I leave the hospital, I want to be able to leave all my work stuff at the hospital and be able to come home again and be present with my husband and kids. And sometimes I can't do that, you know, and with all this COVID stuff in the very beginning when it was happening, there was a lot on my mind when I was leaving and it was really difficult to just turn everything off. And so what I've done and something that I want to encourage a lot of providers out there to do is surround yourself with support structure, with friends and colleagues that can really rely on you to process, you know, that you can rely on as well so that you can process out loud with them. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to say that, you know, it hasn't really been a priority of a lot of people, I think, to develop those support structures. Some people innately have that human capacity to connect and are able to talk out loud. But um, when the average sort of healthcare professional, especially physicians, talking about emotions, you know, it's not the easiest thing to ever be vulnerable. And it's hard. And, you know, usually we are the, the rock for our family. We are the people that come off as a strong person. I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. Don't worry. I'm going to go to work and be fine. Even right. if we're afraid, we don't want to make our family more scared or more afraid, you know. And so we never want to show that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that will totally, totally wear on you time after time if you don't sort of take care of that. So my recommendation is have two or three people on your speed dial that you know you can always rely on, you know, and, you know, just the way you as a physician or as a human being, you're just the way you're the rock for other people around you, those people around you love you and they want to be the rock for you too sometimes. And by you letting those people be strong for you, you're just letting them, you know, feel important the way you feel important when you support them. 
So my big recommendation is just have sort of a, a call tree of people that you can call so you can process out loud. I know for me, because I, I get to commute maybe sometimes, you know, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. Mm-hmm. On my drives, I get to call. I have my sisters, you know, my, my parents are always 100% available. If I really need to vent and no one else else just answers their phones, I can always call my parents. Mm-hmm, but I have mm-hmm. sisters and friends and people that I trust that I can just share things with. And it's always, you know, HIPAA compliant. I don't share anything inappropriate. But um. I just always, you know, you want to have those people there that you can process out loud with. And this COVID thing that you mentioned, it's, you know, it's 100% unprecedented and it's totally wild. And, you know, a few weeks ago when all of this started in San Francisco, I I ran my hospital's incident command center, which is our hospital-wide disaster response, um, mm-hmm. you know. And as you can imagine, it was tons of long hours in a high-stress high stress environment. I was managing both the hospital-wide response to this and still taking care of patients in the emergency department. I wasn't stopping my clinical practice. And quickly, quickly, I started noticing the same signs of stress. You know, I'd lie in bed thinking, okay, what did that person, was that person going to test positive for COVID? Because testing was still taking anywhere from like two to four days. And if they were positive, did I take all the right precautions? Did I have the right PPE on? Did I wear goggles into that room? Was I making sure that I did all these things? Because, you know, I, I, I felt a lot of fear. I was really scared that not mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to be able to take care of the patient or not even that I was going to get sick. My fear came from bringing things home to my family. Yeah. It's super scary. And I realized early on that I wasn't using the healthiest coping mechanisms. And again, I was really fortunate that I was able to quickly connect those dots, you know, and be like, okay, I'm not sleeping at night. What can I do to support myself in sleeping? Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. And so one of the things that I teach, and I've actually heard you talk about this on the podcast in the past, um, the breathing technique, the 478, and I don't necessarily teach that, but I teach something called a self-regulation breathing technique, also mm-hmm. known as box breathing, mm-hmm. um, the 4 by 4 breathing. You've likely heard of this, but it's something that's super easy for people to grasp, and so I like to teach it. And I think um, for people sort of listening, something you can do is you know picture a box, the four sides of a box. And what you do is you take four breaths in to inhale, you hold your breath for four, for four seconds, and then you take four seconds to exhale, and then you hold your breath for four seconds. And mm-hmm. what, what you use that for is, you know, the second that you're feeling stress, or for me, what I was experiencing is, is I'd lie in bed to go to sleep, and I would just be running through my, my shift. Like, okay, my, all those patients I was seeing, who was positive, who was not, who did I intubate, I hope they're okay, you know, mm-hmm. the patient I sent to the ICU. And I was having a tough, tough time sleeping. And so I was like, okay, this is not who I want to be. And so the, for the first four seconds, what you do is you acknowledge yourself for catching yourself in that moment. You know, so my first four breaths, oh, I'm so happy that I caught myself thinking about all these things. The next four breaths, I'm relaxing my body in the next four breaths. And then as you breathe out, the breathing out is actually the relaxation response. That's when you sort of stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the part of your body that lets you relax. So you exhale, and as you're exhaling, you just relax all your parts of your body. And then the next four breaths, you sit in gratitude. Gratitude that you caught yourself, gratitude that you're shifting, you know. And I just, you keep doing that. You keep doing that. For me, I do it until I fall asleep. 
But if you're awake and you're catching yourself in a stressful moment and you want to catch yourself to react appropriately, you do that until you notice that your body has relaxed and you can shift out of that stressful moment. So it's called box breathing. And again, it's a four-second inhale, four-second hold your breath to acknowledge that you caught yourself, relax your body, four seconds to exhale. And exhaling, again, is where you stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system to relax. And then four seconds, and I call it the four seconds of gratitude, you take four seconds to just appreciate yourself in gratitude for catching yourself in that moment. Yeah, that is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so there's many points to uh, what you're saying. Um, so before I go go and comment on the box breathing, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so I definitely concur with you in terms of, you know, currently before the pandemic, um, to kind of give you a snapshot for our listening audience that are non-healthcare uh, related, um, you know, we are we have a foundation of schooling, training, multiple, multiple, you know, just years and years of blood, sweat and tears into, you know, learning a craft, honing a craft, training, you know, until we are proverbially, you know, black and blue, you know, the thing is, is that I agree with you, you know, depending on which culture or you came from a line of doctors, you know, you are kind of seen as the pillar, as the anchor um, of the family household um, or of your generation and community. You know, we are meant to be that community leader, um, whether you're a primary care specialist or a, you know, specialist, um, you know, not a, uh, you know, seeing uh, primary care, but we're all very, very important. And so when you insert, oh, before I say that, you know, we, we also operate on guidelines, right? We also have, you know, a lot of accrediting, you know, organizations and, you know, we have standards that we, you know, practices that we follow. When you insert the pandemic, um, I wouldn't say that kind of goes out the window. Um, it's almost like, you know, it does, metaphorically speaking, because it changes so rapidly. So just as the general public is going into a frenzy and panicking and not knowing what's going on, you know, on the front lines in our healthcare system, we are very similar, you know, because we are looking towards, you know, very, very hand-selected, not hand-selected, but just a very, you know, a couple, like two or three, maybe under a handful of entities and organizations that we have to follow, whether it's the state departments, whether it's the CDC or the wealth, um, health organization. And these things are changing pretty much on a day-to-day -day basis. And so you add that, and then on top of that, our lack of supplies, right, our lack of equipment, maybe in some parts of the country and hospital systems, lack of staffing. And so, you know, it's very, very, very stressful for our healthcare providers because we want to be able to do the best job we can. But unfortunately, you know, we just been, you know, ill-prepared and, you know, I'm not here to, this is not a show about, you know, pointing fingers, but it's just to kind of emphasize where we're at, you know, and, um, you know, and because of that extra layer or many layers of stress, um, you do find um, healthcare workers just fatigued and burnt out and just beaten to, you know, the core. Um, and physician wellness and burnout have already been a hot topic before all this happened. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like already that's that's a totally separate you know separate separate conversation 
you know, just to highlight a statistic, and I don't know, Vanessa, you have a more recent statistic, but physician suicide is not really talking about, it's not talked about. And I think up to one a doctor commits suicide before this pandemic happened a day. So it's, um, it's very unfortunate. And, you know, we have to support our workers. And again, I think it's super important to emphasize that we're humans, you know, we're human beings. I love the fact that you talked about, hey, you know, let me preface this by saying, I'm a human. I'm still practicing. I'm still in the. I'm still doing the best we can, and that's important to to, to emphasize. Uh, absolutely. You just made me so emotional when you mentioned the physician suicide. You're absolutely right. And you know, there's so much underreporting. We don't know the exact number, but it's anywhere from three to four hundred physicians a year. So mm-hmm. about one a day, and it's just. That's before before the stressful pandemic, which is so sad because, as you said, if you have underlying anxiety, depression, all those things, and now you're quarantined at home or you can't work or your salaries got cut, because you probably know this, but um, besides those small, st- those few states where you're seeing a huge volume of, of patients, the vast majority of physicians are actually getting their salaries cut during this mm-hmm. time. And that's stressful, you know, you're in most positions, there's like a single family income. And so if you're the only person working and now your salary is getting cut, you're in the same boat, you know, as everyone else. And unfortunately, the rest of society often looks at physicians as like having this golden ticket in terms of income. And that's not the case. And on top of that, you know, you have $300,000 of student debt and all Mm -hmm. these other things. And so (laughs) that's a, that's a, that's a different conversation. I know. I know. Right. Let's not even get started on that. I will say one thing though, you know, we talked about, you know, a few kind of tools that physicians can use. I talked about the support system, building one for yourself. I talked about the four by four breathing You know, another one that's really helpful, especially with what you said, you know, leaving the shift stressed out or even starting your shift stressed out or or afraid, you know, because you don't know what you're going to see. And one thing that works really well is having a mantra. Again, mantra sounds a little woo woo. And so people don't usually like to talk about it. But I'll tell you, saying things out loud, for example, for me, when I started realizing that my coping mechanisms when I was going into my shift weren't really healthy, I was afraid and I hadn't presenced my fear yet and so when I'd go on to my shift you know I would try to try to keep everything light and joke around and everything is fine you know and I would leave afraid you know that did I catch Mm. something you know am I going to bring something home to my family and so I was like okay that's not who I want to be and so I go on to my shift and I'm totally cautious and prepared I have hospital only scrubs I change into everything but I didn't really sort of say those things to myself so now when I, when I drive to the hospital, as soon as I get there, I have a whole process. On my way to the hospital, I do a community meditation where I sit quietly for 10 minutes on the way there. I don't play a podcast. I don't play anything, although I love your podcast, Colin. Oh, I turn it you. on for those 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I sit quietly on my way to work, you know, and I do breathing exercises. And then I do quick three, like three gratitude things that I'm grateful for. And it can be, you know, anything as long as it was different from yesterday. So I'm like, I'm grateful there's no traffic. I'm grateful the sun is rising. Oh, I'm so grateful that it's nice and warm today. And so I do my gratitude practices and then I set my intention for my shift. Okay, today I'm going to have a a calm, productive shift. And so when I get to the hospital, I then sit quietly in my car and I tell myself I am cautious, I'm prepared, and I am safe, you know. And I think the safe one is the one most important for me anyway because Mm -hmm. I have so much fear that I'm going to bring this home to my family. So Mm -hmm. I sit there and I say I'm cautious, I'm prepared, I'm safe. 
And, and then I say, am I really cautious? Yeah, of course. You know, I have a clean and dirty zone. I'm going to wear these scrubs. I don't take anything else with me into the department. I have appropriate number of PPE, you know, the protective equipment. So I have N95s, I have goggles, I have everything. I'm prepared. I'm cautious. And, you know, I'm a pretty good doctor. I've trained, you know, I've been an ER doctor for 11 years. I've trained and I'm good. I'm prepared. I can take care of what comes in the door and I'm taking all the precautions to stay safe. And so I say, I'm cautious, I'm prepared, I'm safe. And I notice that when I go into my shift, when the ambulance calls us and lets us know what's coming in, when we get those ring downs, when it's something that's like a code three, I know I'm gonna have to go in there and resuscitate a patient. I tell myself again, I'm cautious, I'm prepared, I'm safe. You know, I have yeah. everything I need because nowadays anything that's coming through ambulances are gonna be COVID's until proven otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, so having those mantras are so can be so calming. And what it does, you know, it's it turns off your your stress response, your cortisol levels that are just like mm-hmm. shooting up like crazy. And so for us that are trying to protect ourselves from burnout and from compassion fatigue, you wanna turn off those cortisol levels when you don't need them. I don't want those running crazy before the patient even gets into the into the emergency department, then I'm going to be all out of my reserve, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I tell everyone, you know, have a mantra to calm your body so that even if it's just like connect with your breath, you know? And so when I'm in the department, I get the ring down, I say I'm safe. I take a few deep breaths or I do a quick four by four box breathing. And then I go and see my patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think having a mantra, um, me personally, you know, I believe in them, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't voice them out loud. I internally process them in my head. And, um, you know, for other people, it resonates for others don't. So, you know, for this series and for the guests and what they share, honestly, it's you pick what resonates with you, you know, and I'm going to say this over and over again, because not everything is going to work for everyone. But the purpose of this series and all these, you know, wonderful, awesome uh, guests is to share these tools and these, um, these tips and words of wisdom. So whatever resonates with you, use them, you know what I'm saying? Because right now, you know, everyone needs help of every type of level. And, you know, we're all in this together. And I know it's something that's repeated, but it is very, very true. Just like how this virus spread, because we're all together, that's how we're going to get out of it together. So so it's very, very important. And, um, you know, there's, I don't see why, you know, with, I don't know how many billions right now, seven and a half to going towards eight, um, you know, how we don't affect one another. And, um, you know, that's, that's the purpose of this is, you know, we want to be able to spread this ripple effect. So, but yeah, the mantra is very, very um, important. Um, Even things like, you know, um, you know, when the NBA, uh, the basketball league was uh, playing, you could see the opposing teams, what they do is that they form in a circle and, uh, you know, they don't, I don't think they do this on the court. I think they do this in the locker room where they huddle and they either pray with one another or they, you know, talk to one another. One of them leads the group and saying like, here, this is how we're going to start this game. It's going to be a good game. It doesn't matter what they're going to bring, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? So totally. And that's like what the USA women's national soccer team did and why they were so uh effective. They were so connected mentally with each other and with their goal of winning. And before every game, it was the same thing. Have you, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but for you out there listening, if you YouTube USA's women's national soccer team pre-game prep, oh my God, it's so moving. <laughs> it like pumps yeah. me up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but that's the thing. It's like, you know, it, you know, it, like that saying goes, there's no I in team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely an I in virus, but um, the, point <laughs> is, the point is, is that togetherness, you know, and mm-hmm. as a team, you know, that's how the healthcare 
system, you know, it, it once we're, you know, motivated and functioning well together, it's like a bike, it's like a bike chain, you know, we're just doing it, it rolls how that's how the bike moves. It's because it has that multiple links working simultaneously together, you know, what I'm saying so. So we talked about mantra, we talked about um, you know, I, so one, uh, one other, um, you know, thing you can do is writing affirmations on a whiteboard, you know, um, you know, looking at quotes, um, we've talked about meditation practice, um, in other episodes, we talk about yoga practice for me, I do, um, fitness. So, you know, right now, you know, I'm working out indoors, you know, I, I, I did cross, I do CrossFit since May of last year, but now we have workouts indoors. So I continuously do that. Are there some days that I just don't feel like working out? Yes, definitely. But I know that by moving, and this is what Tony Robbins, you know, says is that, you know, when you're in a certain type of low state emotion, whether it's, you know, anxiety or depression or something like that, you have to change your physiology. And I agree with him. It's, you know, once you're able to move, you know, sweat, move those muscles, you know, um, you know, you will feel better. Um, and then we also talked about diet and all that other stuff. So... Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, so this is great. Um, So, you know, when we... What what other practices or tools, you know, would you recommend, you know, maybe shifting gears, you know, in terms of the general public, you know, the general public is, you know, on the sidelines, they're just waiting for news updates, they are, you know, not knowing when they can go back out there. Small business owners are, you know, not knowing when they can reopen themselves. You know, what can you say to them in terms of, you know, understanding where we're at right now and, you know, giving them tools? Oh my gosh, that's great. I love that question. I think for me, what I've learned, you know, I I keep practicing my word for 2020 actually was surrender, which let me tell you has come in handy during these times of not being able to control a lot of the things. Mm -hmm. Um, But absolutely, I would say for the general public, and this is really, really hard. So if it resonates with you and it lands, use it. And if it doesn't, you know, just let it roll off. But I will say number one is just do your best to let go. I think so many of us had expectations of what we were going to be able to create, you know, like the month of March or the month of April, this is my goals, or, you know, I'm going to be able to make this much money or sell these many homes or whatever it is that you do. And now all of a sudden, if you're a parent, if you're homeschooling, you know, if you don't have anyone else and your kids are at home with you all the time or businesses are closed or nobody's out there buying homes or whatever it is that you do. And so I will say just number one, have self-compassion, you know, Forgive yourself and don't get upset with yourself that you're not meeting goals and timelines that you had set because, you know, goals and timelines are arbitrary. You set them for yourself. And if you get you get to move the goalpost when, you know, the stars don't align. And right now, let me tell you, the stars are not aligning for everyone to accomplish what they wanted to the months of, you know, March and April because things are closed. And so just have self-compassion. You're not the only one in that boat. I know I've talked to a lot of moms who are struggling because they're still working, trying to work full time and trying to do childcare. And that's really, really, really hard. 
And so you're not going to be able to be as productive. And my hope is that, you know, most businesses understand that you just, it's going to be hard if you're also the 100% childcare provider for your kids at home. So I would say, number one, have self-compassion. Um, and what does self-compassion look like? Self-compassion looks like saying, like, you know, presencing that I had all these goals set. There's no, I'm likely not going to be able to accomplish them. That's okay. This is going to end just like everything ends. We're going to get through this like we get through everything. And then you can go back to your daily routine. And that's okay. The other thing I will say is, you know, let go of what you can't control. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of, I think, anxiety and fear comes from expectations. You know, we expect that something is going to go the way we want it. And when it doesn't, then we get upset, you know. So, you know, whatever you expected to happen in March and April is likely not. And it's not your fault. You know, it's because there's a global pandemic happening. And don't blame yourself for that. It's not your fault if you don't mark off those boxes that you had sort of um, whatever list you had. If you don't tick off those boxes, it's not your fault. There's a global pandemic happening. Remember that, you know, and so I would say let go of what you can't control and shift those expectations, you know, and I'm 100% guilty of that. I have I get frustrated sometimes when I'm like, oh, I was supposed to do X, Y, Z. And I have to remind myself, um, you know, I, I didn't plan to be like a kindergarten teacher, but here I am homeschooling my kid, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, as a mom and trying to do all these other things. And so I get to also practice self-compassion. And when I say it out loud, it also supports me in adopting that practice. So have self-compassion, let go of what you can't control and shift your expectations because what's, you know, and the other thing I will say is people are just like waiting to hear when everything's going to reopen. You know, they're just waiting. Okay. Mm -hmm, May first, mm -hmm. you know, this is the new deadline that's being talked about. And I'll just, I, I know it's super complicated. I know it's not just about, you know, yes, public health, we care about it a hundred percent. We want people to be safe. We don't want to overwhelm hospitals and we have to be really thoughtful when we think about reopening and how we reopen and do we flip a switch or do we go slowly, you know, to reopen. And I also know that this means that the economy has frozen, you know, and that's really tough for a lot of people. You know, not everyone has the luxury to work from home. Not everyone has the luxury to continue to connect paychecks or, you know, or just like try to save money here or there so that you can still put food on your table. People don't have that luxury. And, and this isn't part of this topic, but, you know, that's why we're seeing health disparities in minority communities like we mm -hmm. always do, because those are the communities that don't have the luxury to self-quarantine. They still have to go out and work and make money and feed their families and keep their lights on. And that's a that's a huge struggle. But I will say for you um, that I, I will just, you know, be open and let go of when when this is going to open again. If it opens on May 1st, OK. And if it doesn't, just don't hold on to that date because mm -hmm. you'll get really frustrated and upset when it doesn't happen. So I would just say for now, you know, have compassion for the people that are making those decisions because they have to take so much into consideration, both the safety of our community and public health of our community and also the economy. And, you know, that's no small feat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of points. Um, you know, one, you know, reemphasizing that, you know, when you are in a negative space, it's very, very, very easy to kind of fall into that black hole and fall into that rabbit hole of, you know, that hamster wheel that keeps playing back and forth, whether it's a virus or not, you know what I'm saying? And I think when you, one of the tools is definitely advocating, and you touch upon this is, you know, reshifting, you know, how we're looking at this, you know, um, operating from the place of gratitude. When I wake up, um, I'm thankful for my own health. I'm thankful for my friends and family. You know, I'm thankful for the life I've been given so far, you know, and being able to do this, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, and still be able to help and contribute 
um, and, and, and different ways. And I think another point, uh, a great point to talk about is being almost like a chameleon, you know, being adaptable, being changing, you know, and that's what life is. If there's any truth, you know, no matter your spiritual religious practice, you know, to me, what I've observed from life is, you know, one of the, one of the real truths for me is that, you know, life will never stay the same. Um, and nothing is ever, you know, permanent. And so when you think about that, you know, whether there's certain deadlines or expectations or different plans and goals that you needed to meet, you know, they're going to change, you know what I'm saying? And you have to think about a plan B or C or being less attached, you know, to that notion and being okay with either way it comes down to and just leaving it. You know, I love the fact that you said surrendering and letting go. When you do that, you're acknowledging that, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you. The universe doesn't revolve around us as humanity. Um, And it doesn't reinforce that ego, you know what I'm saying? And saying that I let go and I surrender, meaning that, you know, there's nothing I can do right now, you know, and there's nothing I can do maybe for, you know, a given period of time, but I'm allowing what is supposed to happen, happen, right? So obviously it just depends on your perspective and perception and belief. But I think, a part of that is releasing that burden and pressure and stress that falls on our shoulders when we have that, you know? So. Oh, totally. And I love what you said about gratitude because the science behind the gratitude practice is so Mm -hmm. incredible. When somebody practices, and this is for all of you out there listening, this is one simple, easy thing that you can do to really shift your perception and your perspective. So, When you practice gratitude, what's happening in your brain is all the same neurotransmitters that get triggered, for example, when you take an antidepressant like serotonin or dopamine, those types of things, they start getting released just by you practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. So, so one one gratitude practice a day, you know, you get up in the morning, you're like, thank you for having another day to live. You know, I'm grateful that I have another day. Or, you know, walking outside, I'm grateful that I have feet to walk on or breath. And those sound so kind of silly and basic, but in all honesty, living with gratitude, it just shifts your perspective and will actually increase all of those positive neurotransmitters in your brain. And gratitude, you know, those neurotransmitters, they're addictive, you know, and so the more you do it, the more you want them. And yeah. what I've noticed now is that, you know, I'm sitting at breakfast with my kids and I practice this with my kids all the time. And at breakfast in the morning with my kids, I'm just scanning outside. We're not, I'm, you know, we, I just served everybody breakfast. We're sitting down at the table and just automatically I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for the jasmine flowers that are blooming. And I'm so grateful. I don't say this out loud, but in my head, I'm thinking this because I practiced it so much. And my kids know that they get to now tell me three things they're grateful for. And they can be any three things they want, as long as it's not the same three things from yesterday, because then it's not a practice anymore. Now you're just repeating, you know? Yeah. And so it's it's awesome the things they say. You know, my son will say, I'm grateful for Cars because he got to watch Cars the movie at the end of the day. You know? <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, yeah, practicing those types of things like gratitude and all those other things totally shift your perspective. It's really incredible and it's free and it doesn't require medication, you know? Mm-mm, mm-mm. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, looking at it from a different light, I mean, yes, we are more indoors and some of us are experiencing cabin fever, um, you know, and all this other uh, uh, other notion. But, you know, look what it, it has allowed us to do. It gave us more opportunity to practice more self-care. Maybe you can practice a new hobby. I've had so many friends said that I've completed five puzzles, you know, this week. Um, or pick up, you know, like I said, a new hobby or learn something new or pick up something that you didn't do before. But I think what a beautiful thing, what it does um, is that it helps us to slow down. You know, as Americans, where we go super fast. As healthcare providers, we go super fast, probably faster because, you know, not, I mean, for this pandemic, yeah, we go super fast. But just in general, um, you know, we go so fast that it, it can be very challenging to be present. It can be very challenging to, you know, be with your loved ones and actually have a conversation and not be distracted by the noise that we've created as a society. So, you know, take the opportunity to, you know, to, to relish in the moments that you have now that you're indoors with your loved ones, with your family members, or if you do not have that, you know, relish in the moments that you have with yourself, you know, and just because you can't go outside means that you can't go inward. And, you know, and I heavily, heavily advocate going inward. And what I mean by that is getting in touch with yourself and, um, you know, knowing that you are, you know, safe, like, you know, Dr. Vanessa is saying, um, you are well, and, you know, you are of, you know, peaceful mind. And, you know, again, you're not your thoughts or your emotions, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you are enough, you know, you are perfect the way you are, you know what I'm saying? So, um, this has been great. Um, I know we could talk about this forever. Um, but I would love to hear about your closing remarks and for people, whether it's the general public or healthcare providers, um, how they can reach out to you, how can they find you? Yes, absolutely. You know, just, I just want to Thank you, Colin, for creating this podcast. It's a fantastic idea, you know, giving people the tools that they need and understanding that, you know, wellness, resilience, self-compassion, self-care, all of those things are incredibly important. Whether you're a physician or not a physician, it doesn't matter. Those are just regular things you need to survive, you know. So, you know, in closing, I guess I just want to say that as a physician, I'm human. Like doctors are all human. And like humans, we have emotions, we have fear, anxiety, uh, you know, frustration. And there's no such thing as hazard pay for any physician working out there. This is just our profession. This is what we do. I remember my friends being so shocked and surprised that we weren't getting hazard pay. I didn't even think about that ever until they brought mm. it up. And so, you know, doctors, doctors aren't getting hazard pay and neither are nurses. And for the most part, their salaries are getting cut. And that's, you know, so I guess I would just say have compassion, have compassion for, you know, the physicians that you're working with out there. If you have friends or family members that are doctors, whether they're in the front line or not on the front lines, reach out to them, let them know you're thinking about them. And if your doctor's appointments are getting canceled or things are getting moved around, I would just, you know, I would just ask that you have compassion and understand that there's a lot of moving parts here and doctors are trying to do their best to keep you safe, keep themselves safe and keep their family safe. Um, and in terms of contacting me, yeah, you can reach me. You can check out my website, Vanessa Calderon. My last name is spelled C-A-L-D-E-R-O-N. And it's VanessaKelderonMD.com. And Colin, you said it exactly right when you actually introduced me. It's Vanessa Calderon. That's what there's <laughs> yeah. an accent after the Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can check me out there. Um, I'm on uh, 
Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can find my links on my website um, or I'm sure Colin, you're going to post the links mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. And it was a pleasure speaking with you, Colin. Um, you're an incredible human being doing wonderful things. And so um, Thank you. Yeah, I hope your listeners enjoyed this. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you so much for your time and the passion of doing what you do and being able to lend your voice and, you know, share with us your energies today. So I really appreciate it guys. This has been another uh, episode of uh, thrive bites on air, staying well amongst COVID. Um, thank you so much. Um, for those of you who um, not able to join us live, this will be uh, recorded and published later on. And please uh, check our regular season when it does come back. I'm like, I'm going to make that announcement real soon. And uh, thank you for listening on guys and be well and be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Thank you, Vanessa. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.